Good morning. Our reading today is from John, chapter 10, 1 through 16. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. So there's a clip uh, I saw online from a game show called To Tell the Truth. And in this show, I don't know if anyone's ever seen this show. I've I never heard of this show until I found this clip. But in this show, there are three uh, folks who are um, people, <laughs> as they were. Um, and they have different you know, professions or whatever. But the whole point of the show is to find out who the, pers- the right person is. So if it's like a, a guest uh, who is a, for instance, in this one, is a, a New York Times crossword puzzler. So he's, he's the one who cre- creates these puzzles for the New York Times. And so there would be three of these folks who are pretending, or one of them is right and the other two is wrong. So kind of like the game Among Us a little bit for, for you youth who play that. Uh, where there's an imposter. So there are two imposters and one person who's the real person. So let's watch this clip to see what happens. Here is this person's story in their own words. What is a two-letter word for a person who edits the highly respected New York Times crossword puzzle? Me. I sold my first puzzle at 16 and went on to become the first and only person to get a degree in enigmatology the study of puzzles. So what does a crossword editor do? I wade through its submissions, fact-check the clues, and creatively weave in the puzzle's theme. 
If you're looking for another clue, all I can tell you is that I'm one of the two across from you right now. Get it? Two across yep. from you right now? <laughs> one of these people is the New York Times crossword editor and is the only one who has been sworn to tell the truth. Who wants to start first? Oh. Okay. <laughs> Gillian, go! All right. I'm very excited because I love crosswords. Um, number three, what is your title when you appear on NPR? Crossword puzzle editor for the New York Times. Number two, what is your title when you appear on NPR? Crossword editor of the New York Times. All right. All right. You got excited on that? <laughs> That's it? Yep. I know. They said the same thing. I know, but it was the voice. I've heard this person on NPR every Sunday my entire life. I know who this person is. So I've heard this person every Sunday on NPR my entire life. I know who this person is. I wonder if you would recognize my voice. You know, if you listen to me every Sunday, right? Uh, as you as you do. All right. Anyways, uh, Jillian Jacobs, who is you know, if you notice, there are celebrities who are trying to make these guesses. So Jillian Jacobs was on the show Community, if you know. So she is a crossword puzzle geek, and because she has spent so much time hearing the same person saying the same phrase every week, she knew right away just from that voice who the right person was. She was able to tell the difference and recognize who the real crossword creator was and who was the imposter. And recognizing someone's voice depends on how familiar you are with that person. The more intimate or close you are with that person, the more you, rec you could recognize who the voice of that person. I don't know if you've noticed, but now banks will even use your voice as a, you know, what do you call it, an indicator or a way to identify that it's you, right? So you could just talk and they have voice recognition software to say, oh, yeah, you are who you say you are and, and, and you don't need to give them passwords or anything anymore, which is cool when it works. So it is with our passage today. We Here we see Jesus talking about how the sheep recognizes the voice of their shepherd. And in the days of Jesus, shepherds who had different flocks would bring their sheep all into the same fold. And they would spend the night there sleeping, you know, in that one fold. And in the morning, the flocks would have been all mixed together. And when the sheep would come out and then call them, and, and the sheep would recognize the voice, and even though they're all mixed together, they would separate and go to their sheep or, or to their shepherd. They know the voice of their shepherd, and they could sort themselves out. I don't want to show too many YouTube videos, but if you go and search up sheep recognizes the voice of their shepherd on YouTube, you'll see some cool videos of how they hear the voice of their shepherd, and they're coming from like all over the place, coming to the shepherd. It's kind of cool. So check it out when you're bored. But why does, not right now, but why does Jesus use this analogy? In chapter 9, just before the chapter of verse, the chapter that uh, uh, Vic read for us today, we see that Jesus heals a blind man when, blind, uh, heals a blind man and, when, and then goes to the synagogue to be seen by the Pharisees. The Pharisees debate who this Jesus is who can heal the blind, but also he heals someone on a Sunday. And for the Pharisees, healing someone on a Sunday is just a no-no, right? Because you're working on Sunday. And there's, as a Pharisee, they were about keeping the Sabbath. 
That was like one of their number one priorities. And the fact that this man, Jesus, heals somebody on a Sunday didn't sit right with them. It's almost, it's like he sinned on a Sunday or a Sabbath, which would have been on Saturday. So there's no way this guy is from God. And secondly, was this man even blind in the first place? So they start debating, and they don't really believe this man. And so says, let's call his uh, parents. So the parents come, and they ask the parents, was, is this your son? It's like, yes. Was this son blind from birth? And they're like, yes. Or they say, well, you know, he's an adult. Go ask him yourself. You don't need to involve us. And, so, and, and this whole conversation happens. And eventually, the Pharisees say, you know what? We don't believe you. You're lying. We're going to kick you out. And so they kick him out of the church because what happened was they were faced with this reality of this person named Jesus who came and almost rocked their world, right? So it's either Jesus did heal someone who was blind, which doesn't happen. It wasn't something that happened regularly even back then. Neither does it happen regularly now. So to believe that Jesus, this man, some man who doesn't keep observe Sabbath, would heal this man meant something so crazy for these Pharisees who were of power and prestige that they rather deny and kick this man out than to believe that this could have happened. So it's within this context that Jesus uses the analogy of the sheep and the shepherds. And he does this because in the Old Testament, the shepherd-sheep metaphor was used to describe how the leaders of, the, uh, of Israel were to lead their people who were the sheep it was a, as a reflection of how God would lead his people. And one negative example of this is from Ezekiel chapter 34, 4, verse 2, which the commentators believe Jesus was uh, referring to. It says, Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not the shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have, you have ruled them harshly and brutally. God is upset here with the shepherds of Israel and Ezekiel, the religious leaders of the day who were not taking care of the flock, but were rather fleecing them. Yeah, yeah. It's a dad joke, I know, I know. Instead of taking care of the weak and healing the weak, they clothed themselves with wool from the sheep, right? And let their people suffer. When the sheep were scattered, they didn't search for them because they didn't really care about the sheep. They only cared about themselves. A few months ago, I, we lost our dog, Arlo. And here's a picture of her. Yeah, she's cute, right? The thing is, uh, Arlo doesn't really like me. In fact, she's deathly afraid of me. And even though I saved her, what happened was the first day we had her at our home, uh, you, know, she, you know, she's getting used to us. And she was already a seven-year-old, so she was older. And so, you know, she's kind of checking out our house. And I, I've never been a dog owner, so I went out to the car and left the door open. So obviously, you know, Arlo got out. I'm like, come, come, Arlo, no, don't go out. And then she bolted. So, you know... What can I do? I chased after her. So I like ran, sprinted after her. She was going on the road. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to kill our dog the, on the first day we got her. And eventually, like cars had to stop and she started like running around the car while I was chasing her. And then she eventually came to me, right? And, like, and, and then, but after that, 
She's been deathly afraid of me or just doesn't like me. I don't know, one or the other, even though I saved her. And so she knows as soon as I start walking towards a house or she hears my voice, she starts barking. She knows I'm there and she doesn't want to be near me. And so she'll start barking. But if I say come and I keep telling her to come, she'll come to me, but like reluctantly. She'll start growling and she's like, I don't want to come to you, but you're forcing me, so I will. And so she does, right? But and so I'm not a bad dog owner, though. It's not like I do anything to her. I try to be nice to her. I try to give her treats. She doesn't take treats. You know, she'll, like, in, in my lap, I put a treat right in front of her nose, and she just, like, does this. She's like, no, never. Not from you. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, this is what I live with, rejection every day of my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, she was in the park with, or not in the park, in the backyard with my father-in-law who was gardening. And somehow she, not somehow, because, you know, she was busy, um, my father-in-law was busy gardening, but she usually doesn't go anywhere. But somehow she decided to, I guess, go to the front and then got lost. And I was home that day, and my, dad, my father-in-law was like, Arlo, is Arlo here in the house? I'm like, we, we checked all over, and she wasn't. So then, we, you know, we had to go start searching for her. So, you know, we, we're walking around the neighborhood. She, we couldn't find her. We drove around the neighborhood. We couldn't find her. I took my bike and went to the pathways to look for her because hoping maybe she'd be out there. And we're like, okay. After a couple hours, we're like, okay. No, she's gone. She's gone. And so then, you know, I called, you know, like the Humane Society and the shelters, put in the info, but she wasn't there. And then I had this brilliant idea. It's like, oh, there's that, like, neighborhood, neighborhood app. I'm going to put a posting of that. So I, I went to the neighborhood app, downloaded it, put a posting of her up there. And then right after I did that, I just started scrolling a little bit, and there was a picture of her on there. Because one of the neighbors found her, took a picture of her, and said, oh, we you know, put her at the you know, shelter in Scarborough so you could go there. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. So I, and anyway, so, so we found her. And even though I don't have the best of relationships with my dog, I don't... Like the fact that she doesn't like me sometimes is frustrating and depressing and de demoralizing. But yet, you know, I, I care about her enough to go and search for her and find her. But the leaders of Israel had failed their people because even when they were scattered, the, his, their people were scattered or lost, they were hurting, they didn't care. So this is what God says later in Ezekiel 34, 11, 12. He says, For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the days of clouds and darkness. God has said from the time of Ezekiel and other passages throughout Scripture, in like Isaiah, that God himself will be their shepherd. Where the kings and prophets of Israel had failed, God himself will not. He will be a good shepherd who will search for his sheep and look after them. So this is why Jesus uses the sheep-shepherd metaphor. Jesus is saying that he is the shepherd who not only knows who his sheep are, he will know them by name, and they will also know him. There will be this mutual understanding and an intimate relationship where the sheep will know the voice of their shepherd. Because this shepherd is not like the ones that came before who weren't shepherds at all. And he was speaking to the Pharisees. 
who, thought, who were leaders, who thought they were the shepherds. This shepherd will not only know his sheep, but will search out for those sheep that are lost and will even lay down his life for them. As some of you know, we are in this series called Pulled in Every Direction, and we understand that there are so many different ways we can be the church, but we believe that Spring Garden has been called to be a very particular church with a very particular set of values that we want to uphold and live by. And so that, you know, because of that, we have some of these values here. We have seven values, and we've been going through each of them. These are just uh, quick summaries. And now today we're on the third one. And the value we're looking at it is called, uh, We Believe in a God Who Knows Us and Who Desires to Be Known. And we see this value in our passage today where the shepherd and the sheep know each other. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So did you guess who the right crossword puzzler is or creator is from those two? Did anyone think it was two or three? Anyone had any thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was uh, three as well. And in, in, if you watch the whole clip, um, like there's other questions that's asked, and, and number three gave like this really cool answer that seemed very like intellectual, and you're like, oh, he must be it, right? But it was contestant number two, and Jillian there had guessed that right. But one thing different about this relationship it was that this relationship that Jillian had with uh, number two, contestant number two, was a one-sided relationship. There needs to be an acknowledgement or reciprocity, which is another word for kind of like back, like uh, a response, right? So it's not just one way, but it's back and forth. There needs to be a back and forth for a relationship to be a relationship. Jillian Jacobs knew a lot about this person, knew that he plays ping pong for fun and knew his name. They even took a picture together afterwards, like she was a fan of his, right? And they take a picture together. So... She knew a lot about him and even recognized his voice, yet they didn't know each other. Jillian actually had to introduce herself to this man and say, hey, I'm Jillian, right? Because this guy didn't know anything about this person. And the kind of knowing that Jesus is speaking about isn't just a recognition of someone's voice, but goes much deeper than that to the kind of intimate knowing of Jesus' relationship with the Father. As we believe in a triune relational God, and as the relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is, is this perfect union of fellowship, love, and mutual submission. And it is because of this relationship of our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we who are made in the image of God are called to have that kind of relationship with God and with one another. And this is the kind of relationship that Jesus says we will have. He says, as the sheep, my sheep and my, I know my sheep and my sheep know me, like the way the Father and the Son know each other. And this is the amazing thing about the kind of relationship that we can have with our God. It's not a one-sided, one-way relationship, but God knows us and we can also know him. 
In Matthew 7, though, Jesus talks about this importance of this kind of relationship, of of a two-sided relationship. Listen to what Jesus says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Just because we say we know God and live our lives saying we are doing things for God doesn't necessarily mean that God knows us. Meaning it's not driving out demons or performing miracles in Jesus' name. Those aren't the sign of someone's relationship with Jesus. It's not those who say, Lord, Lord, but rather the one who does the will of God the Father. Meaning just because someone knows a lot about the Bible, theology, or Jesus, or that someone is a pastor or a professor or or some kind of leader, doesn't necessarily mean that they know Jesus. They may know a lot about Jesus. They may say a lot of things about Jesus and even do things in the name of Jesus. But unless they obey God and do the will of God, Jesus himself says, I never knew you. Meaning we need that recognition from the other person for that relationship to be real, right? For instance, Jillian could have been like, I know, I know this man so well. I know everything about this person. But if the other person doesn't respond and say, yeah, I also know this person, there is no relationship. It is just information. And in the same way, Jesus says we can know him and he can know us very intimately, but it needs to be a relationship. It can't be a one-way learning facts, learning information about that person. It's about being in relationship with that person. So what, what, what does it mean to do the will of the Father? Very simple, right? Love God and love others, right? That's the will of the Father, is that we love God and love others. So in that sense, that's not hard. Yeah, very hard, right? The reality is, though, there are a lot of voices calling out to us. This isn't just the voices we know we shouldn't listen to. It may also be voices of those who come as imposters, It is important to recognize that there are those who are wanting to steal, kill, and destroy. And the enemy is the ultimate liar. So Satan, what's the best way for him to trick you into not following Jesus? It's to tell you something close enough to the truth that it feels like it's real, but it's not. Right? It's not the obvious answers. The obvious wrongs are obvious. We're not supposed to do that. It's those ones that are closer to the truth that are not. Satan will try to speak lies and try to pull you away from Jesus. How do we cultivate this intimate relationship with Jesus so that we can have life to the full? And when we hear that voice, we know it's from God. We know that that is Jesus' voice. Well, the good thing is, Jesus is a good shepherd. He's not here to kill, steal, or destroy but he wants to give you life to the full. This doesn't mean life to the full, as the world talks about life to the full, where it's everything you want, anytime you want it, it's all about you first. Jesus gives us a new way of living. He showed us how to live, which is to serve others first. If you want to be first, you got to be last. If you want to lead, you have to serve. If you want to live, 
you have to die. We believe in a God who knows us, who desires to be known. Therefore, we embrace a journey of faith that requires us to constantly strive for a personal and intimate and transformative knowledge of God. One thing about intimate relationships is that the more intimate you are with a person, the more we have to reveal of ourselves to that person. Meaning, they don't just get to know about your good side, right? They get to know all of your bad side. You have to be vulnerable. You have to share your deepest secrets. Maybe not always, and maybe that's why sometimes we don't. Because we are worried about what that person would think of us. And I'm not sure how much I want to be that vulnerable with somebody, right? Like, in my, I guess the most intimate relationship I have is with my wife. And she knows almost everything about me, I'm sure. But even still, there are things sometimes you don't want to just say or share because it's just not good, right? You know how bad it is, right? Like the thoughts you have, the, uh, the, the yeah, you just want to hide, hide it. And so we put on clothes physically and emotionally. We want to hide these things in our lives. In the Garden of Eden, we see how Adam and Eve walked with God. It says that they were naked and felt no shame. They were naked, so physically naked, but I think just emotionally as well, meaning they bore all, and yet they felt no shame. Can you imagine that, like yourself being naked physically and emotionally with another person and not feel ashamed? Right? It's hard to imagine that, right? If you're like, don't look at me. But think about it. God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows all of our secrets, all our thoughts, all of our motives, yet he still says, I love you. I still want to lay down my life for you. I want to know you and for you to know me. So whose voice are you listening to? There's the voice of the good shepherd. There's the voice of the false prophets and leaders. There's the voice of the world that tells you you need to be this way or that. There's your own inner voice that says you're not good enough, that you're worthless, that you suck. Whose voices are you listening to? I wonder if you could put that, uh, our values up again, because there's this one other point that I wanted to look at, which is the last line. It says, we strive to be led by God's Spirit in supporting and encouraging one another in working out our faith. I love the fact that Abby brought in the first Samuel passage where Samuel, as a young man, young boy, he's sleeping, and he hears, hears his voice. And, doesn't, and he thought it was Eli, his, his you know, master, calling him. So he goes to Eli. He's like, did you call me? He's like, No. It's like, okay, go back to bed. And so it goes back to bed. And Samuel hears again. It says, Eli, did you call me? It's like, no, go back to bed. Did it, did it happen three times? I feel like it's always threes, right? So again, Samuel hears this voice, doesn't recognize who it is, but thinks it's Eli. It goes back to Eli. Did you call me, Eli? It's like, no. But then Eli realized that must be the voice of God and said, Samuel, go, go listen to that voice. One thing uh, I thought about just now is that all of us, this is why we have this in our values, we strive to be led by God's Spirit in supporting and encouraging one another in working out our faith, meaning that's why we do this in community. We don't just say, go home, 
Spend time praying on your own and just learn God's voice and you'll be good. We have to realize that sometimes we can't recognize God's voice. And we need others who've experienced that and who have more wisdom than we do to be able to help us in recognizing God's voice. For youth, sometimes you may not know whose voice am I hearing. What is the voice I'm hearing that's telling me to go this way or that? That's why it's amazing for you to find people that you recognize are followers of God. Who you know hear the voice of God regularly and just go ask them, Hey, can you mentor me? Can you, can you disciple me? Can you help me along? Again, this isn't just for youth. Even for us adults, we need people in our lives who we can turn to who can help us in this. And, you know, there are times that this, you're going to have this as well, and we've experienced this, some of us have, where you may have heard God's voice and you may know what it sounds like, but there are times where you're not sure. And that's when you invite those you believe who, are, who want the best for you, you invite them into your lives and ask them for help. So that you could recognize and tell God's voice together. That's why we do it in community. So, again, whose voice are you listening to? Listen to the voice of Jesus who says he loves you. Who loves you enough to leave the 99 to save you. The one who loves you enough to lay down his life for you. Listen to his voice who wants to say good things about you. Who wants to know you. Who wants the best for you. Who calls you by name. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give you fullness of life. I want to give us some time to take time to listen to the voice of Jesus, who is the good shepherd. And I want you to ask this question to Jesus right now. What does Jesus want to say to you? And what do you want to say to him? So I'll give you a few minutes. Let me just open with prayer uh, to spend time hearing the voice of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you are the good shepherd, that you know us not just as a number, but you know us by name, that you know us intimately, you know us better than ourselves, and yet you still say you love us. You are willing to lay down your life for us. And you want us to know you. Thank you that you are a God who wants to share your life with us. So Jesus, still the voices that we hear right now and speak to us because we know you will.
Jesus, thank you that you are a good shepherd and that you want to say good things about us, that we are your beloved sons and daughters, that you see the best in us, that even when we make mistakes, you're not there to condemn us, but you want to help us turn around, to help us grow from our mistakes, to help us and to forgive us even of our wrongs so that we could be free to live. And so we respond by saying, yeah, we, we love you as you love us. And that we want to keep that connection with you. And we pray for uh, just more opportunities where we can listen to your voice and to grow in our relationship with you. Thank you, and in your name we pray. Amen. So let's uh, recite, recite, say this value together as a community, as something we want to uphold together. We believe in a God who knows us and who desires to be known. Therefore, we embrace a journey of faith that requires us to constantly strive for a personal, intimate, and transformative knowledge of God. We strive to be led by God's Spirit in supporting and encouraging one another in working out our faith. Amen.